Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I'm your host, Paul Oren, at NWI Oren on Twitter, and you can find Union Street Hoops on NWI.com, Apple Pods, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all over the Information Superhighway. It's episode 118 of Union Street Hoops. Thrilled to be here for another wonderful episode, and we got a good one today. Vashil Fernandez joins. And man, if I would have pushed this off by one episode, we could have had him at 119, which is the amount of block shots he had as a fifth-year senior with Valpo. But Vashil Fernandez is going to be here later on in the podcast, and I'm really excited to have him on. He's going to kind of take us through his journey at Valpo and, and what he's done since then and kind of how he got to Valpo, similar to what we did with uh, with Howard Little a couple weeks ago. And this was a fun interview to do with Vashil. It was very fun to do it with Vashil. And he he's just, he's such a great guy. And I've always really enjoyed being around him, as, as, as did everybody. And so having Vashil on, I can't believe I've never had him on the podcast before, but he's been playing all over the place. He's finally stepped away. He's retired from basketball, and we talk about that. We talk about any regrets that he might have had with the game, and and we go from there. So it's a good, all-encompassing interview with Vashil Fernandez. And as we look at the future of Union Street Hoops here over the summer, uh, I I think this is kind of what you'll get from me from the podcast will be these kind of one-off interviews with different players. I'd like to dive into the 80s if I could. I'd like to go back even further as I'm starting to kind of track down some people and do some interviews about the history of Alpo basketball for whatever that ends up being. I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, I don't want to give everything away on the podcast because, you know, got to keep some things for, for a book if that ever happens. But, um, you know, some other stories that I want to tell. And, uh, and, and I think that's what you're going to see. I don't imagine there's going to be a lot of news coming forward. We kind of have a, a clear idea of what the schedule is going to look like, at least in terms of games, return games, and things like that, just by taking a look at where Valpo played last year and who played at Valpo. There's rumblings out there about a game against, uh, was it was it Toledo, I think? Um, you know, a return game there, obviously, and then uh, a series with UIC. That could be fun. And I imagine Valpo is going to play in a tournament like they normally do. It's just trying to figure out where that's going to be and when that'll be announced. And uh, and you know, it's it's interesting to see what will happen with this college basketball season. Will it happen? I I don't think we know. I, I think it'd be naive to say that we know one way or the other. I think it would be a travesty if we didn't have a season. But there's there's bigger travesties and tragedies out there. So, you know, it's uh, hurry up and wait, I suppose. And and looking forward to seeing whatever news might come from that, and I'll have that for you here as, as soon as it does. But for now on Union Street Hoops, I think it'll be some of these interviews, right? And, and look, there's some guys that I do want to reach out to. You know, a name that keeps getting thrown my way is Harry Bell. I guess I, I got to track him down. My problem with Harry Bell is uh, – is I, I don't know anything about those years where Harry played. I'm gonna have to do some research myself and learn about that because, you know, if I if 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 I don't do any research on '84 to '88, you know, I, I gotta I gotta figure out exactly what uh, you know what those Tom Smith and, and pre Homer years were like. So looking forward to diving into some of that stuff and and um, you know tweet at me any thoughts that you've got in, in terms of people that you want to see and and you know I've. The Valpo message board's done a great job of letting me know some names as well, and I'm always appreciative of that. So, um, look, 
that's that's what I expect we're going to see from the podcast here in the next couple months. And I am very appreciative of you guys following along, listening along. It's 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 a blast. It really is. Gives me something to do. Gives you guys something to listen to as we uh, are navigating this world we live in now. So thank you for the continued listening and support and all of that. Uh, Vashil Fernandez, great interview. I think you'll enjoy it. Here he is. Vashil, thank you very much for joining Union Street Hoops. It's it's an honor to have you on. And, you know, just where, where are you living at in the world now? And kind of give a brief update of the, to the Valpo fans of kind of what uh, what your life is like at the moment. Uh, thank you for having me on, firstly. Uh, right now I'm in a city called Texarkana, um, on the border of Texas and Arkansas. Uh, right now I'm working um, in economic development. That uh, that tracks well when I consider the fact that you've got eleven thousand degrees from Valpo and uh, and different kind of business and uh, and and commerce and policy and all of that and economics and finance. We'll get to that. Uh, you know, Vashil, you've got such an interesting journey. You were in, for my money, the most beloved Valpo player that I've seen in the twenty plus years I've been around the program, and I wanted to kind of talk you through your journey a little bit or have you talk us through your journey a little bit we had Howard Little on most recently and and he had just excellent memories of his time and I thought that you'd have some great stories too before we get into Valpo you're from Jamaica you are the second Jamaican player to come to Valpo for basketball Mike Rogers being the other can you just kind of give the the fans and the listeners just a little indication of what life was like in Kingston growing up for me, growing up there, there was no basketball. I I didn't go. I didn't move to Kingston until I was almost eighteen. When I and I started, um, I decided to start playing basketball. Life was living out in the country, doing track and field, playing a little bit of soccer, playing cricket, and just enjoying life. Um, when I kept, I kept going back and forth to the city on the weekends to help my mom out. And somebody asked me if I knew how to play basketball, and I told him I could learn, and 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 that's where everything changed for me. I had one more year left in high school. I decided to transfer schools and and start learning a game of basketball. You strike me as someone just because I've known you that that you like a challenge. When somebody said, "Can you learn the game of bat?" or can, "Do you know anything about basketball?" Did you take that as a a personal challenge to try to just learn the game? Yeah, because um, um, before that, people have been asking me about it. I mean, I used to see a couple of games on the, the, the few stations that we had growing up in the country, but I was never around it a whole bunch, and, and it was just an opportunity because people always telling me that, man, like, you could probably play basketball, and I was like, I guess this is a, the right opportunity to give it a try and just put my all into it. When you were like 12 or 13, did you envision being a soccer star or a cricket star or a, a, a distance sprinter, any jumper, anything like that in track and field? Uh, yeah, I would I'd probably say I was more inclined to, to track and field than anything else. I played some cricket. I played soccer. I, I, I liked those, but not as much as I, I did um, doing track and field. What was your favorite event? Hmm. I have to say I, I was... I was particularly good at 100 and 200 meters. I would imagine with your long stride, you were able to, to get down the track pretty quickly. So you ended up going to Maryland uh, in in 
I think was it 2010, you went to a school called Princeton Day in Maryland. I mean, I imagine that was strictly to to figure out if basketball was a thing for you. Yeah, um, I think before that, we I had um, I had some talks with uh, Florida State before I came up, and um, I had just started playing basketball. And I had played probably about four or five months of basketball in Jamaica, and that's all all the basketball, like playing basketball-wise, that I knew. Um, and the opportunity for Florida State came, and I, I was I more and I talked about it with um, a group of people that was was helping me with the decision, and it, I felt like it was more useful for me just getting into the game to go somewhere where I can develop, where I'll be playing and actually learning the game, learning how to play the American style, if you if you so will, um, of basketball. And so going to Princeton Day was the opportunity for me to just really learn the game because I was just coming out raw, fresh, played probably about 15 or 16 games in Jamaica because that's how long our season was or all the teams that we had back then. And now it's, now it's grown since then, but that was, that was about as long as our season was, about 15, 16 games. And so it was just an opportunity for me to go into a new program um, where they had a prep school-like situation and they were recruiting people. Um, they were getting guys from all over because I had, I had a guy from from the Czech Republic. I had a couple guys from London on the team. I had one guy from China. I had three Serbians that were on the team with me. So it was just a diverse group of guys, um, most of them coming to the United States for the first time trying to learn the game. And then you ended up at Valpo, but you didn't join until late in, I think, I mean, the press release that came out said August 29th. I mean, the school had already started. You were the only freshman on the team. You redshirted that year. Officially, you are the first freshman in Bryce Drew's tenure as head coach. How, you know, you talk about Florida State. How did Valpo end up on the radar and kind of how did, how did you choose the Crusaders? Um, uh, like I said, as you mentioned, I was the second uh, Jamaican to be on the team. And so Mike Rogers was on the team and I kind of knew him a little bit. Um, my mentor, Johnny Williams, also knew him. And they got into contact with me uh, what, over the summer, summer of 2010, or summer of 2011. And I was, uh, I was out in Atlanta just working out, just trying to get better and looking at what different offers that I have. Um, and Bryce reached out to me, came down there, and, and um, we had a really long conversation. I was talking to talking to Bryce for about probably about two hours to three hours, and then my, um, the guy I was working out with came, and I was like, yes, <laughs> it's time to go work out. <laughs> but, um, so I... I I came down there for my visit um, in the spring. I came down, I think, right around Easter, and then just really, really liked the environment. Um, just love how small school it is, and and how good of an education system I was there, and I was sold on it from that back from then. We'll get into the education here in a little bit because you've got such a great story about academics and athletics. That first year you redshirted. Uh, and, and then the second year, you were listed as a sophomore. We, you know, we, we didn't know until later on that you were going to get a fifth year, and we'll get to that. Uh, that year that you, your first year playing, you played very little. 
You guys went to the NCAA tournament. I've got a question for you that's not really about you right now. You are the only player, I think, I'd have to double-check, I'm pretty sure you're the only player to have spent at least two seasons with Ryan Brokoff and at least two seasons with Alec Peters. These guys have both made the NBA. How are they similar as competitors, and how are they different from one another? Um, I, mean, I think similar as competitors, that like they they have a really high work ethic. These guys, I mean, come out and they just they just play their hearts out. They're ready to go, ready to do what they need to do to to help their team win. Um, different. Uh, I'd say, I'd say Ryan Brokaw is more of a shooter than Alec is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's I think that's one of the bigger difference. Alec has a more, I'd say, all round game. Like he can shoot, um, and he can play a, a little bit more. But Ryan Brokaw, I think, I know, is a better shooter than Alec is. You battled up against Kevin Van Vike, but we we say you battled against Kevin, but kind of historically, we know that Kevin didn't practice a whole lot because he was hurt a lot of the time. So he kind of would, would duct tape himself up for the games. What was that like? What did you learn from Kevin in your first couple of years? Um, I think the biggest thing is just to be aggressive. I mean, when, when he was out there, he was a lead in a country and in, in, um, um, percentage per game. Um, and just watching how he plays is just being aggressive when he gets the ball and, and that's one of the bigger things I took away from um, the first year I played uh, and transitioning into the second year after he left. And that's when I really, like, turned the corner. The year that you really blossomed was your third year at Valpo, which would have been, I guess now we call it your sophomore year, but it was your third year at Valpo. And Valpo brings in Musa and I, I never, I don't know if it's Musa Gay, Musa, Musa Gui. I never, do you know how to pronounce Musa's last name? I think it's Musa Gay. Yeah. So they bring in Musa. And I remember at the time, and Musa is a guy who'd verbally committed to Valpo years earlier. He ended up going to Alabama. He, he had a relationship with the school. He comes back. And I remember at the time there was a worry, and maybe not with you, but maybe people that, that kind of helped guide you to Valpo a little bit. There was a worry that if Valpo brought in this other big man, that it was going to hurt your minutes and and that you might get frustrated and leave. What was your impression about Musa coming in and just how much did he, going up against him, help your game really, really take off? Um, I, I mean, with him coming in, it was just, uh, we have another guy to help us be successful. And it really did help me to just be competitive. Yeah. The guy who's been at a bigger school has been playing against guys who are now in the NBA and are, are going pro, and it was just a good opportunity for me to to just develop to be get more competitive. I mean, get go head to head with each other, and then know that um, when we get in a game, like I'm gonna have I I'm gonna have somebody on my team who who is very competitive. That when we get out there, if I, if I'm not on the court. He's going to come in with the same competitiveness as a, as mine, or even better than I did when I get out of the game. When you saw this this group come in with Alec and and all of those guys, Keith later on, Lexus Jabril, what you were you were older at this point? Did did you take these guys under 
your wing at all? Kind of how what what did you see from this group when they came in? Um, a lot of potential. Um, I think that was the biggest thing. They see a lot of potential. A lot of guys who um, not only have a lot of potential, but also understand what it meant to just buy into what what we're trying to do as a team. Your fourth year, you'd had already graduated. I mean, you graduated with a bachelor's in international business in three years. Your fourth year at Valpo, you got a master's degree in international commerce and policy. And in your fifth year at Valpo, you got another master's degree. I mean, there are people who go through college basketball and don't graduate, period. You graduated not once, not twice, but three times. What was the juggle between academics and athletics like for you? Um, honestly, I tell people this a lot. It wasn't really a struggle for me, and, and that has to also do with our, the system we had back then in high school growing up, um, which made it a lot easier. And I also had a mindset. I mean, I was coming in just thinking I would have four years and was had the plan of at least graduating with my my master's either complete or almost complete when I when I left Balpo in four years and and so I kind of just had a plan laid out already um, going in knowing what I wanted to do and wasn't wavering on in that as it relates to academics. Your first senior year, you guys have a great season, right? Mm-hmm. You you you. I think you played in a tournament in Michigan or maybe it was Nashville. I'm trying to remember where it was early in the season, and you guys won all three games and you like destroyed the competition. I think you played Maine and had like seven blocks in the game, and it was like, wow, this team's really good. You guys go through the year and you get to senior night. And it's your final game at the Ark, you know, the first time it's your final game at the Ark. And you played Wright State. It was a really hard game. I think it was a four-point game with about four minutes left. You guys turned it on at the end. You won the game. And then you proposed after the game. If you would have lost the game, would you have proposed that night? (laughs) I probably still would have. I mean, that would have been the silver lining for me out of of, of everything. Because I already had my mind made up. That that was the night I was gonna I was gonna propose. Take me into your head during that game. You're gonna do like the coolest thing ever. You're gonna propose to to your now wife, and you've got a basketball game to play. I I imagine you're able to shut out the rest of the world when you're on the court. But like, did did it creep into your mind at all during the game? Honestly, no. I was I, I mean I was fueled by it. I was excited to. So uh, proposed her, all her family was there, and, and um, my teammates knew about it because I had one of the managers holding on to the ring for me. <laughs> but once, once, I, once it was game time, it was game time, and then I was going to worry about worry about it afterwards. Was there, when you've won the game now, you've got to give this speech and everything, and you're an excellent, excellent public speaker. Um, were, were you nervous? No. I was more. If I was nervous, I was just nervous. So for for my wife, because she is not a, she's not a. Uh, I would say people person. She doesn't like to be put on the spot like that. Yeah. Well, you did it again the following year. We'll get to that. Um, so your 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 first senior year, your fourth year at Valpo, you guys go through. You played Green Bay in the title game at home. You block five shots in that game. You guys win. You're going back to the NCAA tournament. 
for you, it's the second time you're going to the tournament, but you're actually, you know, you're a contributor. You're, I think you played one minute against Michigan State. What was that game against Maryland like and that whole experience getting to do it a second time? Um, I mean, it was a lot better experience knowing that I was I was out there starting it and I was out there, I mean, being able to contribute more to the team, to um, this game than I did the first year that we went there. And it's just also being being um, one of the one of the guys on the team that that was able to take. I mean, we've been I've been here before, and just being able to give an experience to the, the other guys of like, I mean, this is a game we it is in the NCAA game, yes, but it's also a game where we need to go out there and just play hard like we've been doing all year. Was Keith Carter fouled on the final play of the game? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still, I'm still a little bit mad about that, but I mean, it's been years, and, and life goes on. Have you come across any of those Maryland players in your in your professional career since then? Um, I think I might. Have, I have played a couple, of, played a, against a couple of them um, when I was in the G League and stuff like that, but they don't remember who I am. <laughs> It became the worst kept secret in Valpo that you were getting a fifth year. When when did you find out that you were uh, that you were going to be able to come back for one more year? Um, I think I think uh, me and Bryce uh, we had talked and the rest of the coaching staff. I think we had spoke, spoken about it um, before before I got married. Or uh, it was right around the time of um, school was about to close. We we're having graduation. And um, they talked about that they were they were looking into it, and um, they should get news back about it soon. And and they were really hopeful that it was going to come through. So I, I was um, I was excited about it that I get to be in college for another year, and 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 that we had pretty much the same group of guys, and and we excited about what we could do for the next season. I remember that I'd heard rumblings of this in late April and nobody would say a word on the record. You were helping with camps during the summer, uh, but no one would say anything. And part of the reason was, uh, from what I heard later on, was that uh, Bryce didn't want to offer up that information while they were trying to schedule games, right? Didn't want, uh, you know, they, they, the more people that knew that a seven-foot center was returning, the less inclined they'd be to play Valpo. Um and, uh, and I just always thought that was that was funny that that, that happened. I want to ask, you know, I, I mentioned Keith Carter earlier. Keith was such an excellent defender. There's also no doubt that that Keith was allowed to gamble a little bit more with you behind him, as as well as Lexus and all the other guards. What was your, you know, I imagine you during practice you'd spend a lot of time with the bigs. What was your relationship like with the guards? Because obviously you guys had such a great defense, and really a lot of it was those guys at the top and you at the bottom uh, making sure that they could gamble a little bit. Yeah, we, we had a really great relationship. Like those last two years of college was, was really good. All the other years was good, but those I felt like we, we connected a lot better and we, we understand, we understood each other and, and we were just ready to go out and win games. And so even in practice, we practiced that way of, of just getting better at cleaning up a lot of different stuff. And and the and biggest thing was just the trust that we have. They knew uh, they could gamble more, as you were saying, and I was going to be there to help them out. Um, and we work with each other, I mean, cover for each other and just 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 play all-around good basketball. 
you were there when Brokoff hit the shot against Green Bay in the Horizon League tournament, and then you know that was your your second year, I think, with Valpo, mm-hmm. and you, and you, and your final year with Valpo. Jabril throws this long pass. Alex scores at the buzzer. You guys go to overtime, and it just doesn't go your way. And Green Bay gets you. And now you're out of the tournament. You're probably not making the NCAA tournament. How crushing was that loss? And just, I mean, the bus ride back to Valpo. How difficult was that whole process? It was. It was really tough because, like, man, um, we had such a good year, and and for it all to. I would say go to not, but just like not getting um, the reward that we were expecting was was just tough. It was just hard to deal with. Did you watch the the NCAA selection show thinking? I, actually, I don't know if you watched it. Period. But did you watch it thinking that you guys were going to get in, or did did were you kind of resigned to the fact that you were going to the NIT? We were hopeful. Um, I mean, because we've seen over the years that a lot of a couple mid-major te- teams were able to to get that bid um, and get in. We were we were hopeful, but we weren't sold on it. We were really hoping that we would get in there and be able to make a uh, make a good run. Um, and I think that would have been nice if we got in there and make a good run. But we were also just looking at the fact that we also still had a postseason. Um, a lot of other teams didn't have a postseason, and we had a postseason to to do some good things, and I still had a couple more games um, to play with my team. So it wasn't hard for you to kind of get up for the NIT? No, I was excited. Like I said, we had we had a postseason. This is a second-best um, postseason tournament to the, uh, to the NCAA, and I was just excited about having more games to play. <laughs> Um, you had eight blocks in the first game against Texas Southern. I remember they had a, a big man on their team who was supposed to be this just stud, and I think he ended up going to the NFL. Um, you win that game, and then you play Florida State. And, and Vashiel, I've known you for, I don't know, 10 years now, I feel like, and I never knew that you were close to to going to Florida State. Was that kind of a full circle thing to play them again? It was. Um, I don't even know if, if, if the coach even recognized me. So the coach that was recruiting me, he left and he went to Florida Gulf Coast. Um, so I don't even know if, um, if, co- if the head coach recognized me. But it was it was kind of cool to see that like this. That's kind of where it all started for me because I remember when I um, when I had just came came to the states and I started uh, practicing with our prep school team. Well, the head coach and um, uh, Andy Enfield that was recruiting me came came up to see me up in Maryland. Um, I was just it was just kind of cool to to just go through that whole experience. And these are guys that are going to the NBA on that team from Florida State, and you guys beat them. And I I imagine you know the win against St. Mary's next and the BYU win are pretty cool, but. But where does that Florida State win rank for you? It's pretty high because um, I ended up actually playing when I was in the G League with um, one of the guys from that team, Malik, Malik Beasley. He yep. played for the Denver Nuggets back then. And so when I was up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, they used to send him down because uh, he wasn't playing a whole bunch that year. And so we always had conversations about that. And I was sending him pictures about <laughs> about that game and how how we beat them by 15. 
It was a uh, it was a fun it was a fun game. Malik Beasley on that team, Dwayne Bacon, Xavier Rath and Mays, all these guys I think ended up in the NBA. You play St. Mary's, you win that game, you know walking off the court it's going to be your final home game. What was that experience like to win that and to hear them play in New York, New York over the loudspeaker, knowing that you guys had, had accomplished a goal of making it to Madison Square Garden? Could, could you repeat that question? Just, I didn't hear you yeah, just, just what, was, what was that like to win that game against St. Mary's and to get to Madison Square Garden and, and walk off the arc court a winner for the final time? I mean, it, it was really a really good experience. I mean, we're coming from losing losing our, our conference tournament um, at a neutral ground or kind of neutral, as they wanted to call it. <laughs> um, to to playing our last home game against a really good team um, and just playing our hardest. And, uh, and for me, just leaving it all on the floor, leaving, the, leaving as you said, leaving um, the Homer Drew Court a winner. What what was uh, – I want to go back because you just mentioned him. What was your relationship like with Homer Drew? I know obviously Bryce was your coach, but, but did you have a relationship with Homer at all? Yeah, I had a little bit of a relationship with him. Um, he was still transitioning out when I came there, and um, I think he had an office in the in the, um, in the arc, and so I would would have some conversations with him. And then um, we also went to the same church. I'd see him a couple times at church as well. I want to go back. I, I, I glossed over this again. Your uh, your senior night game, your final senior night game, was at home against Detroit. You still had a couple of regular season games remaining, but. You made a big announcement. What was that? What was that like to uh, to announce that you guys were pregnant there in that final game? Um, it was it was a great feeling. I mean, uh, you know me; I, I'm all about big announcements, and <laughs> it, was just, it was just a good opportunity to to let the world know that we we're we we're having a second child. And and I mean, it, it was, and it didn't really feel hard because I mean, Valpo is family and was family, and we had a lot of a great. Um, support system there. It was just a good opportunity to let our support system know that we were having a second child. And just hearing how excited everybody was for us. You go to New York, you beat BYU in such a fun game, and then you play George Washington. And, you know, again, I was there for most of the run of that year. I was there for all the NIT games. I don't I, I don't even remember the George Washington game. I've blocked it out of my mind, I think. I choose, you know, as someone who tried to do my level best to document everything that was going on, it didn't even really seem to matter to me what the outcome of that final game was because you guys had gotten to the final game. Do you – is there bad memories of that George Washington game? Do you ch- How do you choose to look back on that whole experience? Um, overall, it was just a great opportunity to be playing in a garden – um, and just had such a good run with the guys. But I think it was tough for me because I felt I felt like I kind of let the guys down. Uh, I think one thing we struggled with was they had their big man that was, was hitting threes, and that kind of really killed us because I was sinking down a lot. Uh, I was thinking I was helping a lot more, and normally we play a lot of big guys. They weren't really good shooters, and so I could I could – I could help a lot more than the normal. And I felt like that was one of the things that really burned us was that they had bigs that were shooting threes. 
and I had to adjust to um, not helping as much like I normally would. Um, but overall, it was just just a great opportunity. We got to the finals and we played against some really good teams. I want to ask you before I get into what happened right after that game. Speaking of big guys taking threes, you went through your entire career and you never took a three pointer in a game. I imagine they would have left you wide open. You never, you never did it. Did you ever advocate to try to take a three? Can you knock down three pointers? Have you? How often did you practice them? I, I mean, in my professional career, I, I, I shot a couple threes. I haven't made any. <laughs> but um, actually, that Detroit game, I was supposed to shoot a couple. I think I had like two opportunities, but um, we were we were beating the crap out of. Detroit, and they weren't they weren't going to give me those open shots. <laughs> one of the vendor, I think it was a guard. It came up like he was right in my grill and was like, "No, you're not getting it." I was like, "I kept." <laughs> we we kept hoping that the the next game would be the game that you would take a three, and it never it never materialized. It was always uh, <laughs> it didn't. So. Your career is over officially. Your college career is over officially. You 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 come back to Valpo, and Bryce leaves, and there's I mean it's like the whole team's coming back except for you know a, a couple of you except for you really and and um, what was was that kind of an, an odd feeling to to see everything change a little bit knowing that you know the program that had been a part of your life for five years you had to move on from yeah I mean like I said it was. It was a family atmosphere, and it was definitely hard to see that there was a lot of changes that were going to happen within the next couple of months. You did not get drafted in the NBA draft, and you ended up going to the Miami Heat late in the in the training camp. The way that, from my recollection, the way they do things is, you know, with a couple days left in the training camp, they try to bring guys in just to get them in their system. What was your understanding of, of the Miami Heat situation? Um, I think the biggest thing was uh, just talking to my agent and talking to the coaches was just letting them see what I can do. And they've seen clips, but just being able to be get in practice and get in a couple of preseason games and just show them what I could do and the potential that I have. Do you still have a Miami Heat jersey? Yes. I I really wanted to get one, and I never, you know, I, I didn't know what number you were with the Heat. Um, you, went to, you went to the G League for a bit. Um, what was that? Did you enjoy that process? Was it frustrating? Kind of how did, how did you take all of that? Both. <laughs> <laughs> It was, a, I mean, it was a good process to to be in the G League, but it was also frustrating as we got down in the year. Um, I was when, and I was also on the t- on a team that had won the won the championship the year before, and they had br- they were bringing back most of their guys in, and so it was hard to kind of get into that rotation. And I was getting getting five six minutes a game and doing okay, but then getting out further down in the year, the NBA starts and. A lot of NBA guys are not playing because they have such a large team and guys, and so they started sending the guys down to the G League to where I moved from playing five six minutes to sometimes being inactive. Um, 
And so that was just really frustrating to deal with. I imagine it started to feel like a job a little bit at that point. Yeah. Then you go overseas, and and you played. Um, I think you played for a couple of different teams. Uh, you played in Romania, I think, right? And then you played in uh, in Spain. And the one in Spain seemed pretty awesome because did you play with Kevin and Jabril? Yeah, we ended up on the same team um, to finish out year. I was supposed to go to Romania, and then we had a crazy, <laughs> a lot of uh, miscommunication. Uh, Ended up in Turkey for four days, and my <laughs> wife, wife and kids ended up in Romania for a month while I was trying to get paperwork sorted out to get to Romania, and that didn't happen. It was it was just a really weird situation, and so I ended up um, the second half of the season playing in Spain with Jabril and uh, and Kevin. Well, first of all, it I would imagine most players that have played international basketball have some sort of crazy story about about a team ended up sending me here and I didn't know I was going here. It just sounds like it's such an unorganized racket. That said, you found some familiarity with Jabril and, and Kevin. But I imagine, and, and maybe take me through this, when you were teammates with them at Valpo, you talked about the family atmosphere and everything like that. Now you guys are being paid to play basketball. And I imagine... Jabril and Kevin are your competition to a degree, right? I mean, what was that like to know that, I mean, you got to outperform these guys and they're trying to outperform you as well so they can keep a roster spot? Uh, honestly, in, in European basketball, it's not, it's competitive, but it's not like playing in the NBA or playing in the G League where everybody's just out for their own. Yeah. It's more, it's more team oriented. And so, it kind of felt more like playing at Valpo, more family-oriented. And, and then Jabril and Kevin, um, they played they played the five maybe every now and then, but it was they mostly played at the forward position, and I was playing a center. Good stuff. And then where did where did you wrap up your basketball career? Um, I had I think after that year I went to I went I played. Played in like a, a tournament league in, uh, in in China for a summer, and then I finished in Spain, um, just uh, north north northwest Spain in um, in a little town called Marin, just above Portugal. Um, did the whole season there and had had an okay season. What led you to decide that it was time to step away from the game? There's a lot of a lot of factors that play into that. I think the biggest one for me was just um, not having my family around um, after the whole Romanian thing. They kind of stayed in the U.S. for a while, and then um, just not getting good contracts to where I could have them um, wherever I moved. And so it was uh, just thinking about that, and just thinking about how how difficult it was for me to to raise my kids and to have a good marriage if I am spending anywhere from eight to, to 10 months out of the year on another continent. Um, there's no way for, for me to have a good marriage or, or raise my kids the way I need them to be raised. Do you have any regrets about how basketball ended for you? Um, a little bit. I mean, I would have liked to have um, gone on a little bit more and just being able to have my family with me and experience the world with me um, 
I would have loved to have that, but <laughs> I, again, yeah. things happen in life, and I'm in um, a different career path where I enjoy the work that I'm doing. I'm putting all the degrees that I have to work, and I'm seeing the impact that I'm able to have on the community, especially during um, this crisis right now with all the COVID stuff that's happening, being able to to um, contribute to to helping the people that are in, in need of help. You know, I, 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 I might be crossing some lines here, but I, I'm, I'm proud to say that I went to your graduation party, one of your graduation parties. I don't remember which one. You probably had 90. Um, I, w- I went to one of your graduation parties, and, and Vashil, I was struck by how many people were there that had nothing to do with Valpo basketball. And it just, to me, it, it speaks of the impact that you had. People joke that you were the mayor of Valpo, what 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 was that like being i mean you're you're this tall guy from Jamaica who comes to Midwest Indiana and you put a smile on everybody's face i mean how much did you just enjoy the process of being everybody's everybody's friend i guess um that was a great process for me as you know i'm a people person and i've always been raised by my grandma to always respect people no matter who they are and and, I, and that's how I live my life. That's one of the values I have is just valuing people. Um, and that's how I live my life because life is all about relationships. And, and I've always tried to, to have relationship with, no matter who it was and inside and outside of basketball. And, and that, is, that helped me to develop a family atmosphere. I mean, that's one of the things they were, when, you, when you go to get recruited, especially at Alpo, they tell you how much of a family atmosphere it is and and just being able to to like say that to a recruit and actually like say like it was a real thing like i from my experience it was a family atmosphere not just on the basketball court but like just in the community in general luke gore has been posting photographs recently of zoom calls he's doing with old valpo teams have you been on any of those yes i ended up missing <laughs> i ended up um Missing the first half of the call because he had he had called me. Um, well, he had texted me that he had texted me earlier during the week or on the weekend said they were going to have it. Then he texted me and said like we're going to have a call right now. I was in my car, heading home from work, so I got home and got on on the call and was on there with the um, team that went to the tournament in 2013. What was that like to catch up with all those guys? It was good. Um, I've, I mean. Ryan was, I had a couple lunches, but I had lunch with him one time because he lived down in Dallas, not too far from where I am. I talked to Eric um, on uh, Instagram and stuff a couple times. I talked to Bobby. Um, I see, I saw Will Bogan um, when I was in the G League. Then one person on there that I didn't really talk to much was Matt Kenny, so it was good to catch up with them and catch up with all the other guys that was on there and just seeing how their life was going. Eric Bugs keeps saying that he wants to get a Valpo alumni team together for the tournament, this uh, winner-take-all tournament that's held during the summer. I don't know if it's going to be held this year, but I imagine he's going to want you to stay in shape to uh, to get you on that team here in the future. Um, I, <laughs> I want to ask you this. Uh, let's, say, let's say COVID is over and you come back to Valpo for one day. Where are you going to eat your meal? What's your favorite restaurant that you miss in Valpo? I never really ate out that much. Well, that's probably why you were in shape all the time. 
I never really ate out. I cooked. I love cooking. I, I'd probably say I'd have everybody over and cook for them. <laughs> Well, I don't want to give away your secrets, but I know the last time you were in town, we bumped into each other at Valpo Velvet Ice Cream, so maybe that would be the answer. Yeah, well, yeah, if I, if I, actually, if I come back with my wife and kids, it would, it would be more so where they want to go than where I want to go. Okay, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Vashil, it's been an absolute pleasure to, uh, to chat with you, and uh, you're doing good work down in, uh, in Texas right now, and, and hope you and your family are staying safe and healthy. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.